This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. Have you been struggling lately? Maybe you're having trouble sleeping, difficulty with the relationship, or just suffering from self-doubt. Now, y'all know there's no shame in my game, and life has been lifing lately. Trying to manage the priorities of being a wife, mom, friend, and full-time entrepreneur, it can get overwhelming. If this sounds like you, then BetterHelp wants to help you today. BetterHelp offers licensed therapists who are trained to listen and help you. Talk to a therapist in a private online environment at your convenience. There are over 20,000 therapists in BetterHelp's network, which gives you access to help that may not be available in your area. All you have to do is fill out a questionnaire to assess your specific needs, and then you get matched with a therapist in under 48 hours. How cool is that? Then you schedule secure video and phone sessions. Plus, you can exchange unlimited messages and everything you share is completely confidential. You can also request a new therapist anytime at no additional charge. Join the 2 million plus people who have taken charge of their mental health with an experienced therapist from BetterHelp. There's a special offer to the Slaying Self-Doubt podcast listeners. You get 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com slash slang. That's betterhelp.com slash slang, S-L-A-Y-I-N-G. Thanks again to BetterHelp for sponsoring this podcast. You're listening to the Slaying Self-Doubt Podcast with Coach Felicia, where we empower Black women to overcome their doubts, fears, and insecurities in order to give birth to their God-given purpose. Join me and sometimes some of my friends on our journey as we remind you that you are not alone. I'm Felicia Wallace, and together we will find our fears and slay them. Hey Slayers, welcome back to another episode of the Slaying Stuff Doll Podcast. I am here with Catherine Winch, the CEO of the Mom Complex and the author of Slay Like a Mother. Now y'all know, I'm already feeling the name of the book. It is definitely something that's like, yep, this is right about Allie, okay? Like, because clearly you don't even have to say self-doubt in there, but the slang like a mother means that there's some things that we have to chop down in order to really be able to do this momhood thing, right? So thank you, Catherine, so much for being here. Yes, I am. I'm thrilled. I feel like we're kindred spirits. Yes, (laughs) yes. (laughs) Yeah. So can you tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got started? So my story is that for um, a good portion of my life for 20 years from age 15 to 35, I lived with really significant self-doubt. So no matter what I did, what I achieved, what I accomplished, I never felt good enough. And I spent most of my life hustling really hard to be loved Mm. on the outside because I didn't love myself enough on the inside. And so, you know, your love has to come from somewhere. And so I was just trying to siphon it from the external world (laughs) through accomplishments and, you know, success and perceived success. And then, you know, eventually I just hit a wall and realized that it was never enough. No matter Mm. what I got on the outside, it never filled me up on the inside because I had this leaky bucket, you know, mm. that I had to learn how to plug the hole in. And yeah. I did that. And uh, now I'm helping women all around the world do the same thing. Man. So I love that. First of all, thank you so much for sharing. But even when you said the leaky bu- bucket, right, it's like I, I envisioned it and I know exactly what you mean. Like you're continually trying to, 
pour or things are being poured into you, but it's it's not sticking, right? Or yep. you're pouring it to other stuff and whatever you need is just seeping out the bottom of it, right? And yep. we talk, you know, you hear people talk often about like, people should get whatever your overflow is. That's the stuff that's running out. So if you're empty or you're leaking, uh, they're like, um, I recently heard um, at an event I was at um, last week that like your capacity is for you. When we say, oh, I'm at my capacity, it really should be for you. Everything else should be for everybody else. So you saying that just as a reminder of how important it is for us to, you know, pour into ourselves. We talk about, you know, self-care and all of that, all of that stuff, doing the professional, I mean, the personal development things, the things that you have to do for yourself in order to really be able to do whatever it is that you're supposed to do, like to use your gifts in the world. Yet you, you, you gotta be whole. Yeah. And it's so easy, like you said, for us to use outside things to try to uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Like use it as a temperature or a barometer for mm-hmm. our worth, right? And we right. say, oh, okay, this person likes what I did. So I must be worthy of this. But how draining is that? Oh my gosh, it's so exhausting. And to your point earlier, it's the reason that I believe that self-care is not selfish mm-hmm. because once I could fill my own cup up, once I wasn't leaking, you know, out the bottom, then, you know, I became a better mother and sister and wife and friend and human being. Yeah. And so I think there's just this narrative in this country that, especially for women, especially for mothers that like, oh, you're taking time for yourself. You're not with your children. You're not cooking dinner, you know, and it's, it's just perceived as being so selfish, but I have so much more to give away and I don't require as much to fill me up. So to your point, it was so exhausting living with what I call this dragon of self-doubt where I was always running. I was always chasing. I was always trying to achieve. And then one day I just realized it's not working. Like Mm. I have the trappings of success. People who would look at my life from the outside would think she must be really damn happy. Yeah, yeah. And I was empty and I was hollow and I was so tired. Mm. Listen, that is so I, I can because they can't see you, but I can see your face. So I know even when you have to think back to that place, you rem- like it's important. Like I always say, like this journey that we're on, it is a journey. Right. Because we also have to remember where we were because, you know, with slaying self-doubt it's a daily action like every day we're slaying like every day something happens and you're like okay how do i you know attack this how do i make sure that that uh imposter syndrome or that fear or my insecurities don't come back up in order for me to be able to really do what it is that i'm called to do and so how has self-doubt showed up in your journey Well, it ruled my life for 20 years. It wasn't just showing up. It was in charge. And um, the way it showed up was, you know, it was really driving the bus. And Mm. so it impacted a lot of my attitudes, obviously, about myself. I didn't feel good enough. And this voice in my head would kind of, you know, constantly talk about everything I did wrong, nothing I did right. So the exhaustion that I had was not only physically because I was always trying to 
you know, get to the next place, achieve the next thing. So I could finally feel good about myself, but it was exhausting mentally Mm -hmm. because to keep up this charade of feeling broken and hollow on the inside, but wearing this mask and said, everything's fine. Everything's fine. You know, is, um, it's kind of doubly exhausting. And, you know, somebody said the other day that we are as sick as our secrets. Mm. And I felt like for 20 years, I kept this a secret. I mean, my parents didn't know when I was a child, my husband didn't know. Um, And so it was, it just showed up in a way of like, it, it drove the decisions you know, that I made. And again, even when I was making, you know, seemingly good decisions, achieving certain things, it, I was proud of myself for like eight days. Like, good (laughs) job, Catherine. Like you achieved what you said to achieve. And then on the ninth day, that dragon inside of me was like, what's next yeah yes yes oh man that resonates with me so much so the first thing you said about keeping it a secret right the same thing like I don't think that I've realized I and I and so I'm gonna say this first though then the second one I don't think I realized it what it was because nobody was talking about it right nobody was saying that they were having it so we were watching other women other mothers other you know CEOs other VPs other directors other people living their lives And it all seemed like nobody was struggling. So to your point, like if I wouldn't say anything either, because then I got to be the only person. Right. And I don't know how that transition for you. But I remember the very first time I was sharing, you know, with my friends, like once I knew that, okay, I got to do this podcast and I'm about to tell people what the name of it is and I have to explain what it means. Right. It was just like, oh, yeah, I struggle with that. And so I'm like, what? And then the next person, yes, uh, yeah, I have that. And I'm like, hold on, you mean to tell me the whole time I wasn't by myself? That makes it exhausting, too. And so that's what I really admire about what you're doing with this podcast is we have to start talking about Mm -hmm. this stuff and we have to role model it for other women and other mothers and young girls and our daughters, because I'm like you, I didn't hear anybody talking about this. And I never heard anyone really say that being a mother was hard. And I really struggled with it for Mm -hmm. a long time. And I felt like a failure. And, um, but I do think that hopefully this is encouraging to women listening, because as soon as you find the courage to say it out loud, first of all, it releases the power over you. Um, It really lightens your load, but you're not going to be alone and you're going to be met with me too. You know, mm-hmm, when mm-hmm. you say it. So there's just no sense in holding back. Yeah. No, I totally agree with that. You know, I with um the listeners and also, you know, my clients, I always say the first step is identifying what that thing is. And that's the most of the time that's the scary part. Like what is whatever you're saying to yourself in your head, what are you saying out loud? When I started this journey, I was like, uh, I'm afraid that, you know, people aren't going to listen to the podcast. Okay. Was it really that big of a deal? Maybe it was, but I don't know what the, you know, the range of it was like on a scale of one to 10, like how bad it was, but I literally listed out everything that made me uncomfortable. And the biggest thing I remember was like, 
being like, what if somebody thinks that I'm I'm lying, right? Or someone brings up the old me or someone, I always say there was a 98 bun. Like she wasn't always <laughs> this person right here in front of you, right? What if someone challenges like, oh, you think you brand new, whatever have you. And the reality is none of that happened because I'm, t- I'm telling my truth and someone can say, I know exactly what you're talking about. And for me, what was always... Um, an encouragement and an inspiration for me to keep going is that I have sons and, uh, you know, you say for our daughters, right. But having boys, there's this misconception that they don't go through the same thing because they're taught to be strong and they're taught to be this. And I realized like, no, you have, you struggle with self-doubt too. You struggle with your own insecurities. You struggle with negative self-talk. So how can I change, be the change, right? So my kids are watching me, slay myself doubt every single day right and so I'm teaching them to like no it's not just a woman thing that may be my calling is to talk to you know black women at the present time however whatever it is that I'm saying everybody who's listening has been in my shoes I don't care who you are you know exactly what it feels like to have imposter syndrome yep. you may not know yeah. the definition of it and the word for it but you know what it feels like to walk into a room and be like I don't belong here like what is mm-hmm. <laughs> what is happening you know and in one of the things especially for what you do is that um I always say slaying self-doubt shows up everywhere and in motherhood oh lord it is like <laughs> because your kids are a reflection of you right and so they just show you all the things about yourself that you love and you want to change right and and when especially when they little they're the most honest people ever and so it's like you can't even say anything about it so how does self-doubt show up in your motherhood journey it shows up every damn day <laughs> <laughs> Um, and, and mostly because, you know, we go through phases as a mother. So, mm-hmm. you know, obviously I, I had two babies and then I had two toddlers and, and now I have two teenagers. <laughs> Me <and> too. <laughs> see, girl, it is not easy. And so, but because I've slayed my dragon of self-doubt, I, I have the ability to go a little bit easier on myself to give mm-hmm. myself some grace. So for example, I have a 15 year old daughter. And Me too. Day, I have a 15 year old son today, actually. <laughs> So I was struggling with something recently thinking, oh, did I handle that well? And Mm -hmm. the negative voice in my head said, come on, Catherine, you've been a mother for 15 years. Like, why can't you, you know, figure this out? But I heard the voice Mm -hmm. and then I taught it some manners by saying and reminding myself that, yes, I've been a mother for 15 years, but I've been the mother to a 15 year old for a matter of days, (laughs) days. And so why would I be good at it? Like mm-hmm. being a mother to a 15 year old has nothing in common with being a mother of a five year old. So I try to give myself grace of saying every stage and age of my children, I'm going to be a rookie at, mm-hmm. I'm going to be mm-hmm. new at. And so, you know, if it's like, if you decided to play the guitar tomorrow to learn how to play the guitar, you wouldn't be good at it and you wouldn't expect to be good at yep, it. So why yep. do we expect to be good at things that we've never tried before. But I think that's the key of just quieting this negative voice is giving yourself grace mm-hmm. and recognizing when you're new at something. Yeah, no, that is so good. I think I, I, I agree with you a hundred percent. I even tell my, my, my sons, I'm like, 
I, I've never been a parent of teenagers. Like literally this is, we're doing this together, right? And I'm like, I remember being a child and I, I felt like my parents were practicing on me because they didn't know either, which is why grandparents are so, so much better, right? Because then they understand, eh, it's just a phase, it's just a this, <laughs> but we're living it with you, right? At the same time of trying to do all the other things. And so I like, thank you for saying that. Like just a reminder to like, give yourself grace as you're going through these and that's in every every facet of your life right like even as a wife like I've only been a wife for eight years how do I don't know what it looked like for 25 I don't like and and we're parenting and what does it look like to it's uh marriage when you are you have toddlers and you have kids and they're in school or teenagers looks completely different when you're an empty nester right I don't have nobody to worry about but me and you. Like, yeah. like that's it. But right now, no, we have to worry about everybody in here, all of those different things. And so managing all of that, I love that you say like you so my question was going to be like, how do you manage that self-doubt and when it shows up for you um in those little little pockets, right? Because we're not, we never, we're not when I first started this, I used to be like, Lord, no, wait until let me get rid of my self-doubt. And it was like a while and I was like, no, like he wants me to show the example that you're going to have it. It's going to show up. What do you do when it happens? So what do you do? I know you said that you you uh switch it off, but what happens if it happens in the motherhood, in the marriage, at work, in entrepreneurship, in your friend groups? All on the same day. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Then I just take a nap. Right. <laughs> or I start Me too. drinking. I don't know. Right. I don't know. The, the, exactly. The, the, this calls for wine. wine. <laughs> the, the red wine helps. You're well, right. I, we I, are kindred spirits. Sleep in real. I know. We should have done this in person. Right. Um, so, but here's another thing I think is important about being able to like deal with it in the moment is we also have to realize what narratives we are listening to from society. Mm. So for example, you said, you know, I'm helping my boys because boys have self-doubt too. And I think it's important to realize that there is a narrative around the world mm -hmm. that men have to be strong and men can't cry and men can't be weak. And that's ridiculous. Mm -hmm, and so mm -hmm. I think it's like, we have to pay attention to what's going on inside of us, but then what are the narratives around us? So another example is, um, you know, this narrative that women have to do all the cooking, you know, in the household. And I have never accepted that. It's like, <laughs> I happen to be married to a very loving partner. We both work outside the home. Why is it my job? Like, mm -hmm. why don't, why isn't it your job? Why isn't it the kid's job? Like, mm -hmm. why, this is not the 1950s. But for a long time, it gave me a lot of self-doubt. Like, yep. I'm not cooking these home-cooked meals every night. I'm not serving a bunch of vegetables. And But then I started to question, like, why do I believe that I should do this, mm -hmm, you know? Mm -hmm. And then another example is with Black women in the United States. And there's this additional burden and barrier that says you have to be strong yep. and you have to carry the family. And therapy is not necessarily accepted and widely talked about. And there's a great documentary on that subject. It's actually filmed in Richmond, Virginia. It's called Sis UOK. Okay. And it's by Nakia Cherie, and it follows five or six Black women around talking about self-doubt. And they're talking about how this additional burden is placed on them to keep quiet. Yeah. You know, yeah. about this. So those are just three different examples of like, just make sure you're not doubting yourself just because there's a narrative that says that you should. Yeah, no, that is so true. And I think um, to all of those points, 
absolutely like they whatever it is that we think is supposed to happen outside what society is telling you and my air quotes of tradition right like generational traditions like you can change your mind it doesn't I don't you know even when I think about it I grew up my father did all the cooking because my mother didn't know how right so <laughs> there's certain things you're just not going to see right but but to your point even though I grew up that way I knew how to, I know how to cook and I actually enjoy it but if I feel like I haven't cooked in a few days, then I'm like, oh my gosh, I, you know, my family's not getting a home cooked meal. I'm such a terrible mom. But now I'm like, listen, it's food in there. Y'all figure it out. Worst case scenario, you can eat cereal. Like that's. <laughs> You can eat cereal. It's always eat the cereal, peanut butter, jelly in the house. Don't even worry about it. Um, but to your third point about, you know, the the extra burden that black women carry. When I started this, um, I was I knew I was supposed to help women and I knew that was going to be the thing. And I remember like early on, I had um, a Caucasian woman DM me and say, oh, if I'm not black, can I get something from this? And I was like, to me, it seemed like a ridiculous question because I was like, well, girl, if you suffer from self-doubt, then yeah. <laughs> but if not, then no. I mean, I don't I don't understand. But that one question caused me to question myself as I, how I was showing up. Right. And then when 2020 happened, I realized like, no, this is what you're called to do. You are called to talk to black women because here I am still thinking I have to pretend like this is not who I am. No, this is me, all of me. And you're going to get all of it every single day. And so I need to talk to the people who look like me to be able to say, it's okay. You don't have to do that. You don't have to continue to wear this cape. Ain't nobody give it to us anyway. We pick it up. That's what we do. We just pick <laughs> it up and be like, oh, okay, well, my mother had it. My grandmother had it. My auntie had it. So I'm just going to take this with me and carry it on. And then we, we don't, we don't necessarily pass it on. But it's just like you said, society, traditions, all of that kind of just gets carried on. So having these type of conversations is so important because I'm for a fact, I know they're still not happening and people are still surprised and people are still uncomfortable with saying it because they're worried about being judged. They're worried about the shame attached to it or the guilt attached to it. And I think one of the beautiful things about what we're doing is like we both are saying like, no, you have to work on this. You have, cause otherwise it's going to consume you. Otherwise it's going to drown you. You, this is the reason why people like I, I, um, last year or maybe two years ago, I had a therapist on and I, you know, I asked, I said, you know, therapy is taboo in, in the black community. And I know for, I, I believe Jesus and therapy. So give me both. Right. And so one of the things that she said is like, it's not, just because of trauma and I had so many women who were like oh I only thought people went to uh, therapy because something traumatic happened and the amount of people that I know now just in the two years who started to go to therapy just to be able to process the thoughts that they have on an everyday basis it is it's beyond me. Like, it is just like, once you identify, and like, that's the, the biggest thing that we both said, like the acceptance of where you are, like the next step is taking some action. Like, what do I need to mm. do? What is it? And therapy isn't for everybody. Some people can do it on their own. Some people have really good friend groups, but some people be like, I need a licensed professional to be able to help me with what's going on in my head. Um, and so I think it's definitely really important that we just, we both just keep showing up and doing what we do and in our you know in our spaces and collectively right so that everybody knows like we're not by ourselves it's not just us going through this it, it really isn't 
No, it's it's everywhere. And I love that you're able to destigmatize, you know, therapy, because at some point you have to say this shit out loud. Like mm-hmm. at some point, it's like first you have to realize that you're broken. Then you have to be OK saying it out loud. And if it is taboo, if you haven't had it role modeled for you, then it can be really scary. You yeah. know, it also can be very expensive. It can yep. be time consuming, you know, but it's like as soon as you start saying it out loud. So I started with therapy like 15 years ago and my, you know, I had a therapist, but it was expensive. So I didn't go that often. Mm-hmm. But then I filled in the cracks with Oprah episodes <laughs> and self-help books yep, yep. and listening to you know, radio interviews and stuff. So there's ways that you can supplement it and um, to get a fuller picture. But at some point if these secrets, you know, just stay inside of you. And like you said, it doesn't have to be trauma with a capital T. It can Mm -hmm. be trauma with a little T. And there's a lot that that people go through um, that needs to be discussed. And I think it's sad that you know, in this country, in school, we learn to study math and science and the weather, and we never study ourselves and Mm -hmm. we don't learn about ourselves. And so therapy is really one of the only places that you can really go and learn who you are. Yeah. And why you operate the way and make changes. Right. I've even, I've just having a conversation with somebody recently. I said, I don't understand for the life of me after the, the trauma we had as a, as a world, why they aren't offering mental health services to everybody just for a limited amount of time. Even if it was for like six months, like y'all was passing out, uh, uh, COVID tests and vaccines and all that stuff, it, it should have also come with some mental health services because we all went through a traumatic, like literally people saw hundreds of thousands of people die on a daily basis. That is not normal. And to your point, everybody can't afford to deal with that. People were losing their jobs. People were losing family members, like all of these things. Everybody was on the brink of the end. Every single person, just the fear of, can I walk outside? Like that is, it's it's an uncomfortable thing. Like a child, you know what I said, it's fine. You know, they can raise these gas and chicken prices, but don't nobody care about our mental health. It's fine. It's okay. It's all right. Um, so what have you learned about yourself during the journey that you didn't know before? Did you hear that ad at the beginning of the show? If you're a business owner looking to expand your reach, you can promote your company or product with a host read pre-roll or mid-roll ad by me on the Slang self Doubt podcast. If you want more information, email info at FeliciaWallace.com. That's info at FeliciaWallace.com. Now back to the show. I've learned that I'm not as broken as I thought I was Mm. for 20 years. I really thought, I really thought that I was broken and that I needed to hide my brokenness in order to be loved. Wow. I'm going to have to let you pause right there. That is a word. Okay. Because that is what we do. We hide our brokenness because we think we have to and that goes for males and females that goes for everybody like we all hide our brokenness because we're afraid of what the uh, man okay then Mm -hmm. go ahead Catherine I was terrified I was (laughs) terrified you know of saying that I was broken and so now after years of therapy and lots of you know self-help I 
realized that I'm, I'm not as broken as I thought I was. So that's obviously, you know, a relief, but I'm also okay talking about my brokenness mm. when I do feel broken or when, you know, I don't mind apologizing to my children or my husband when I screw something up or yeah. when I get it wrong. And, um, and so I'm just no longer afraid of my brokenness. Maybe yeah. I shouldn't say it that way, but it's, no, it's but okay. We're all broken. Like, yes. I love that. That is that that right there is a place of and I, I can imagine that being in that space is peaceful, right? Because then there's no longer the because being broken or thinking you're more broken than you are, plus the fear of people finding out that you're possibly broken right and the fear of like what's next like what else is coming when you're at a space where you're no longer afraid of your brokenness and you can tell your truth there's literally nothing else anybody can say to you like what yeah it doesn't matter (laughs) and it's you know I I think the end result for me is that dealing with the chaos around me Mm -hmm. has become easier when I'm not also dealing with the chaos inside of me Mm. and so you know, life is always going to be hard. It's always going to be difficult. It's always going to break us, you know, in some ways, but I'm not so fragile on the inside and I'm not hustling so hard to be loved on the inside. So I'm less affected by the things around me. So if I have, you know, a disappointment at work, a disappointment with the book, a disappointment, you know, as a parent, I no longer take myself down, yeah. you know, of <laughs> the blame game and it's all my fault. And I suck and it's yes. a miracle anybody likes me and I don't go to that dark place anymore. Yeah, no, that's so good. I, you know, I chuckled at that because um, in my last therapy session, I was like, you know, being as though that I know how it goes, I said, I'm just, I really just need the, the secret, the secret to not spending a week in this space. Like I'm okay with three days. Like a week is now too long, right? I recognize how far where it was before. Like now that I know, like I need to get to a place where it, you know, it's the three days, it's one day, it's an hour, you know what I'm saying? But again, to your point, like you have to be, you have to be willing to do the work. You have to be able to know that, uh, you know, if I'm disappointed by something or I procrastinate because I'm afraid of doing something big and scary that I go to sleep every day at a certain time or or that it just looks different and i i uh my biggest thing is procrastination so i will literally procrastinate to the last day of something when it's something huge i don't know why i do that i mean i i do know why i know it's because of fear even though i know i'm gonna kill it it's just this thing of like <laughs> but what if but what if it's all of those and so i'm like i just need to get to a place where it doesn't take all of that time can I just have it for like a half a day and you know but to the like to your point of working that out through therapy and being able to say that out loud to somebody else like this is what happens to me allows you to be able to slay yourself out it allows you to be able to when it comes up later on in life or when you see your kids do it because we may not even realize that we're displaying some of our self-doubt because we think it's mental, but it comes out in your body language. It comes out in how you're feeling. It com- So they're watching us. So when I, you know, when I'm with my son, I used to be like my oldest son specifically. Um, now I have to ask him, are you feeling nervous about anything? Are you feeling anxious? Like what's going on when I see that he's kind of like, you know, and so we just talk it out. And, and then eventually he gets to whatever the thing is. And I'd be like, OK, so I'm like, I'm teaching you to 
to manage it and to cope with your emotions yourself. Like you don't get all flustered. Don't come and be at a hundred. Right. I need you like 40 and then we can have a conversation. So when you're at 100, you need to figure out how to self-regulate and bring yourself down to 40. Ask yourself questions and then answer. Right. We we just do the what if nobody shows up? What if nobody listens? What if nobody comes? What if I fail? What if it, it does? We just do all the negatives. Right. We don't flip it and say, what if everybody shows up? Right. And what yeah. if everybody listens? What if I sell out? You know, and then right. we don't think about that. We just go straight to the negative. So, but I love that the fact that you're saying that you're able to, you know, self-regulate and it just takes time. I think the other thing, you know, with what we're both saying is that it's not immediate. You're not going to be like, oh, today I, I recognize I have self-doubt and tomorrow I know how to self-regulate. No. Yeah, I no, it's a journey. It's a practice. And and when we've been doing it for so long, you know, I was doing it for 20 years. It would be unrealistic to think I could just stop overnight. <laughs> I mean, it was a habit for 20 years. It was, you know, the better part of my life. But yeah. in Slay Like a Mother, one of the things I talk about is the difference between struggling and suffering. So struggling is brought on by the external circumstances in your life. So mm-hmm. I have to make dinner every night. I want to lose 10 pounds. I have a cancer diagnosis in my family. It, the list is endless, you know, yeah. of the struggles. But we dip down into suffering when we beat ourselves up and we annihilate ourselves for not being better or doing better mm. or for having those struggles in the first place. Like mm-hmm. we said earlier, like nobody else has these struggles. Right. I'm the only one struggling. And the difference between struggling and suffering is the difference between this situation sucks and I suck. Yeah, yeah. And so if we can just stay in a land of struggling, then we don't beat ourselves up. We learn to expect the struggle. So your example of the fear of like, what if nobody shows up? Like that's a struggle. But you can eventually get to the place that says, even if nobody shows up, Mm. I don't put myself worth in other people's reaction to me. I put myself worth and I'm healing women. I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. I was put on this planet to do it. And so eventually you can get to the place where you, your children, whoever, are not determining your self-worth based on external circumstances. Yeah, I love that. I love the the reframing of that, right? To to be able to say not you know, what if they don't, but even if they don't, right, even if I don't sell out, what is it, you know, what are the things that happens recently, something like that happened. And it, in being honest, right, in the beginning, I wasn't very honest with my husband about my insecurities and my fears and all those different things. But when I started this journey, you know, he just he gets it all every, every day, like whenever it happens. So recently, I had a disappointment. And he's like, you know, how are you feeling about it? And I'm like, I mean, I'm disappointed, but I'm not discouraged. And to me, I was like, whoo, okay, look, come oh, on, growth. Girl. <laughs> I was like, come on, growth. Because uh, about a year ago, I would have been crying in his arms like, this is terrible. I don't even know why I'm doing this. Like, I'm questioning everything. But it's like, no, I have to adjust. It's, it, it, like you said, this sucks. Not me. I don't suck. But that takes work. It takes practice. It takes doing the work for yourself. So what are some practical things you can give our audience to like when those things come up, what are some practical things you do on a day-to-day basis? So one of the things I do is exactly what you just described of reframing. So, and you used exactly the words. It's not what if, 
It's even if. And mm-hmm. so just changing your language, because when we're saying what if we're fearing the future. Yep. What if I get divorced? What if my children are not happy? What if da, da, da. And then you have to say, even if, even if I get divorced, I'm going to be okay. Even if my children are unhappy, I'm going to be okay. And so there's a constant reframing. And I need like little phrases like that because this is work and it takes practice, but Mm -hmm. I do that. And then another thing with teaching my children to be dragon slayers is um, we often do an exercise where we talk about our peak and our pit mm. from our day. And so that's just simply sitting down with your kids. It could be anytime. It doesn't have to be over dinner and some romantic thing. Right. You know, it's just, it could be in the car. But what's your peak and your pit from the day? And then what this will teach your children is that everybody has a high and a low in yeah. their day. Everybody has a good part and every single person has a part of their day that sucks. Even yes. their mother, even their father. Yeah. And so, and it teaches them to give voice to the hard parts in their life because dragons of self-doubt thrive in silence Mm -hmm. and darkness Mm -hmm. and avoidance and children need to be taught that if this is a safe space and you can talk about your pain and it's only like a sentence you're not asking them to get into all the details but um that can be like and then by you doing it as well the more i did that activity because i was i was kind of doing it for the kids but i was like damn every day my low point is kind of the same like mm-hmm. i would pick up you know trends of like maybe i need to change my job maybe right. I need to do this <laughs> but um so that goes back to like you're learning about yourself yeah. at the same time that you're teaching your children I love that. I actually think that um, it also teaches them to one, like you said, they have a safe space to be able to share Two, that they're not by themselves. Three, to say it out loud. Right. So it doesn't just eat away at them. But also four, to be able to I would I would have it that when you I would assume that when you all are having these conversations, you're also um validating their feelings right like dang that must have been a hard thing right and and also giving them advice to give themselves grace like that is something that most kids aren't taught they aren't taught or they don't see people validating their hard things it's like oh you got straight A's oh you got this oh you got that but if on the a hard day you say you know I'm really disappointed I got a low grade on on this that's an opportunity for us to be like, I'm pretty sure that that was rough. What could you do differently to make sure that you're great? You know what I mean? Like we're teaching them to do different stuff. I love that. You know what? I might have to incorporate that. And so every day right. we do like questions and stuff and they like it. Like the other part is that just made me think one day I asked, we're doing the same thing. I found these questions online and I was like, what are you afraid of? And so at first, my son, I don't know, he said something weird, like sponges or something. And it was like about the hose or whatever. And I'm like, what? Like, but I do know that that's the thing that people have, like, he has this thing about it's weird, but, um, they're not weird, but I know that that was a thing. And so then my youngest son, he said some random stuff too. And then he was like, I also think I'm afraid of doing new things. And I was like, Okay, you know, I didn't know that we were going to go there, but just asking that question gave him an opening to be able to share. And so then I was like, yeah, me too. And then my husband was like, you know what, now that I think about it, I'm nervous too about it. And so we literally had a whole conversation about it. And it was a moment that I was just like, 
simple stuff. It, like you said, it doesn't require to be like sit on the couch and have a conversation. Right. There, it's not therapy. It's not therapy. We just eating pizza, you know, and and that's it. So I love those. I definitely, but I, I think doing it consistently or at least often enough that they're having that moment like and this is you know for you all listeners if you don't want to do it every day maybe you do at the end of the week you know like what was the best part of your week what's the worst part of your week actually I think my cousins and uh, her family they do that like best part work part worst part of their week maybe not every day um but it de- definitely that validation and that grace is amazing um for kids because it teaches you that so you can carry that into your adulthood and we trying to we trying to have make change makers out here, guys. So we got to we got to do something different. When you when you know better, you actually have to do better. Like that is the key. We say that it's, it's very cliche. We say it, but are you doing better? Really, your kids would be the the proof that we're doing better, right? So let's talk about the mom complex and the book. You mentioned a little bit about the book. What does the mom complex do? Um, let's talk about what this book is. Uh, give it all to us, Catherine. Okay. So uh, the Mom Complex is a consulting company and we have 10 employees and I started it back in um, 2014 and we consult with mostly big companies like Walmart, Sam's Club, Johnson and Johnson, Kellogg's, Giovanni, and we help them solve a lot of pain points that mothers have related Mm. to like products or services. So for example, we've helped Chobani come up with like a new yogurt line for moms or, you know, how can Walmart create a better shopping experience for moms? And so my day job is solving some of those physical pain points that Mm -hmm. moms have, that Mm -hmm. companies have the ability to solve. And then my book, Slay Like a Mother, is solving the more mental and emotional pain points Mm. of mothers. And so I'm a researcher by trade and I study the lives of women and mothers all around the world. And then I believe that I'm here to help make the lives of mothers easier. And for a long time, I was only doing that through the mom complex. It was very fulfilling, but I kept doing this research with women and hearing about this self doubt and Mm. this self loathing Mm -hmm. and this self hatred that I was very familiar with. And then after I healed myself, learned to love myself, et cetera, I felt selfish keeping what I learned to myself. Mm. And I felt called, I could have just healed myself and then you yeah. know, taken a nap yeah. or, you know, just gone back to my day job, but it felt selfish to me. And I, a lot of the things that I changed in my life that I learned to believe about myself um, were very transferable mm-hmm. to other people. And now, um, you know, the, the book is out and women are really healing from it and it's so universal. So I just returned from Nigeria, um, giving, um, three big speeches about my book and it's heartbreaking in a way that there's no country, there's no audience that I have spoken in front of that doesn't have self out mm-hmm. and I keep I keep waiting to show up somewhere and this and be like is oh go. you don't need me here That's not me. <laughs> and um so it's just everywhere but it's the joy of my life to play a very small role in helping women love themselves yes I love that um and I think you all sent me a uh when we connected in the beginning you all sent me this video of these moms talking to each other and when I tell you like 
I was tearing up. I make sure it's in the uh, in the show notes, y'all. Uh, but I teared up so many times because I was like, to your point, like, bro, we are we're still here. Like, we are still here, and these are uh, strangers looking at each other, giving each other the hugs that they need, giving each other the smiles, the affirmations, like really like the stuff that we need for ourselves. That sometimes you can get from a stranger when someone sees you. So what you're doing. In like continuing to, you know, help women just really slay that dragon and slay their self down. You know, here we are. We're, we're all we're doing this together. It is just it's amazing because, um, like I said, self doubt shows up in every area of your life. And um, in doing this, I had somebody ask like, oh, you need to, you know, um, niche down. And and I was like, why? Because self doubt shows up when you're. 16 i remember i had it it shows up when you're 25 i remember i had it it shows up when you're giving birth to your first child i remember i had it when you get married i remember i had it you know like when you something happens at your job when you're getting older when you hit 40 like i remember i i had it right so it's like there isn't any way because it showed up at work it showed up in my marriage it showed up in my friendships it shows up in my health it showed up in my finances like it shows up every single way so it's not a one one thing that you say okay now this is done so the fact that you are focusing on like the motherhood journey like those women who are out here who are and you know for me I'm sure also for you like I wish I had this when I started being a mom right when I first started I can see the difference that people have that like their self-awareness I'd be like I'd be so proud when I see moms I'm like if I had this in 2007 this would have been I think the first couple of years would have been a little bit different, right? But now I was like, hey, he don't remember. So <laughs> he's going to remember everything for, you know, from when he can remember to now. But we're making the changes and we are being the change where we want to see. So I'm excited. I'm excited about that. So how can people connect with you? How can people get your book? Um, if we have any, uh, you know, Fortune 500 com- com- companies that are listening yeah, to this podcast yes. who can work with you, okay? We're we'll speaking into yes. existence, okay? Somebody yes, up there yes. needs to be listening to Slaying Self Doubt. How can people connect with you, Catherine? So um, my book, Slay Like a Mother, is available on Amazon at most bookstores. And it's also available on Audible if you like to listen to books. Yes. And it's my voice. So I can, you know, read you your bedtime stories <laughs> if you want to listen to it. And um, and then on Instagram, it's Wench, And my last name is W-I-N-T-S-C-H. And um, yeah, I do a lot of corporate um, sessions with working mothers and mm-hmm. working women. So I've done them for like Coke and Hallmark. And so if there's any like organizations or like nonprofits, the junior league, etc., I go into prisons across the country nice. and do workshops. Um, I donate thousands of books every year to women who are incarcerated, overcoming addiction, homelessness, domestic violence, so if there's anybody's listening that needs help, you know, for donated books or organizations, um, that is a big part of what I do. 
Yes, I love that. I love that. Um, thank you so much, Catherine, for sharing your journey, for sharing your story, for continuing to help us on this slang journey. Okay, because we are we are sisters right here. Okay, like you said, kindred spirits on this slay journey. Okay, y'all, it, this is nothing happens by accident over here. Y'all know everything is intentional. It all makes sense in the world of slang self doubt. Um, thank you so much for being here with us. Thank you for having me. It is um, just such a joy to be on the journey with you. Oh, you are so welcome. All right, y'all, that's all for this week. Thanks for listening. And don't forget to share, subscribe, rate, and review. Remember to head over to Facebook and Instagram and follow me at Slain Self Doubt. Oh, wait, don't forget, go to my YouTube channel and watch this episode and remember to press the subscribe button. Until next week, see ya.